how are you now? Uh, how are you now? Uh, if you're a Bruins fan, you're probably pretty goddamn smug right about now. How am I now? Well, I'm not glad I asked because I'm not happy uh, whatsoever after watching that game. The Montreal Canadiens lose 5-2 to two to the Boston Bruins in Boston. Uh, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of this season's Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I am pissed off. I'm pissed off, and uh, I think with with pretty good reason at this point. Uh, I, I I was gonna avoid the recap, but I feel like in order to properly express my opinion right now, I kind of have to go through the recap a little bit. Uh, so let's do it. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens start this game out, and it's actually a pretty good first period for them. Uh, they were the better team uh, for the first 20 minutes. Uh, block shot leads to an odd man rush, basically a three on one. Yoel Armia, who has missed. Tons of scoring chances this year. Finally buries one. Carries it in on his own. Uh, avoids any of the passes. It was basically a three-on-one, but uh, he had the shot. He takes it. He beats Jeremy Swayman with a straight shot. one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, officiating, a little bit suspect. I mean, Brad Marchand got a pretty ridiculous call uh, from a dive. And uh, absurd tripping call on Jake Evans. Again, against Brad Marchand, where Marchand was trying to hit Jake Evans uh, and just kind of fell over. Um, Samuel Montembeau looked pretty good in the first period. Uh, but anyways, they end the first period with a one nothing lead. Second period, uh, the Bruins start to take over. Right, They absolutely start to take over. And Samuel Montembeau was pretty much standing on his head, uh, keeping the Habs in the game. Uh, unfortunately, he, he can't make all of the saves. I mean, he's, he's no Carey Price. And even Carey Price was not going to save them in this one with the amount of uh, quality chances the Habs were giving up. And of course, you know, a uh, long shot. Uh, pretty early on in the period, uh, Charlie McAvoy jumps on it, makes it one to one. Bruins are all over the Habs, uh, but just over three minutes to play in the period, Adam Brooks takes a shot from the top of the right circle. Michael Pizzetta gets a touch on it on the way. It's two to one for the Montreal Canadiens. They go in to the third period with a lead, which is miraculous because they did not deserve to have that lead whatsoever. And of course. Not even two minutes into the third period, Jeff Petrie takes a holding penalty. Charlie McAvoy again, this time from the point on the power play, makes it 2-2. Two to two. A couple minutes later, uh, Samuel Montembeau makes the initial save. And Jeff Petrie clears it himself off of a Bruin and into his own net, 3-2. to two. Uh, Charlie Coyle then goes in alone, roofs one, makes it 4-2, to two, yada, yada, yada. Final score, 5-2. to two. As you can see, an absolute you know, embarrassing collapse by the Montreal Canadiens after a pretty strong first period. I mean, the the Bruins were the Bruins fans were mocking the Canadiens with Olea chance at three to two. They didn't even wait until it was five to two to start with that shit. They were doing it at three to two. That's how confident they were watching what played out on the ice that there was no chance the Habs were getting back into that thing. I mean, they, they were also doing fucking USA, USA chants. Like, I mean, let, let's, let's talk about that for two quick seconds. Uh, if there's any Bruins fans listening, uh, if you could go ahead and just rattle off for me your top five scorers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm correct about this, but I do believe that it's Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, and Charlie McAvoy, and Taylor Hall. So one of those guys is American. Three of them are Canadian, and one of them's Czech. So if you guys want to do a USA chant every time you beat a Canadian team, maybe you should expel all of your Canadian players and just play with the Americans. See how that goes for you, right? Take a look at your roster and honestly tell me, should you be doing a USA chant? 
But I digress. My anger should not really be directed at the Bruins fans right now. It should be directed at the Montreal Canadiens organization. And I'm going to go straight to the top today. I want to talk about Jeff Molson. I want to ask Jeff Molson. If I, could, if, 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 if I was in a room with him and I could ask him one question, I would ask him, what's your rock bottom, Jeff? What is your rock bottom? Do we need to get mock Ole chanted in every single building in the NHL before you hit rock bottom? Do we do do you need to have a game with zero fans that show up in Montreal because that's never going to happen. Right? It's never going to happen. Do you like at what point because I I I see a lot of people that are telling me, you know, it's it's going to be when he starts losing money. He's never going to lose money with the Montreal Canadiens. It's it's a pretty foolproof business plan. It's plug and play. This team could finish last place every season for the next 10 years and they'll still be profitable, I think. I mean, I can't say that with 100% certainty, but I'm reasonably sure that hockey in Montreal is always going to be profitable. So I want to know, what is your rock bottom, Jeff? At what point would you make a change? At what point would you fire the general manager? Because you already should have done that. At what point do we get a different coach? Because we already should have that. Like, let's, let's, okay, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's, let's move on from Jeff. Let's go down to the coaching, all right? Uh, Dominique Deschamps is way out of his depth. Way out of his depth, okay? Ryan Paling plays one really good game at center. Gets called up. Plays one really good game at center. And immediately they're like, no, you're not a center anymore. You're a winger. What are you doing? This season, according to many, is already a write-off. Why are we not auditioning him for the center role when the center depth of this organization is a question mark, right? We need to find out, can this guy play center? Can he play center regularly? Can he handle defensive responsibilities? Through that one game that he played, the answer was probably yes. You needed to explore that more and find that out. Not move him to the wing and expect him to all of a sudden, like, what are you trying to do? You you really trying to win that game against the Bruins? No. What you should be doing is you should be auditioning people for future roles, like one at center, which Ryan Paling is a center, not a winger. So what are you doing? And then take a look at the way the game went, right? Like I said, they pretty much dominated the first period. And then all of a sudden, it goes to shit. How'd that happen? Well, they tried to sit on a one-goal lead, first of all. And then once they got scored on, they went into panic mode. And all they're doing is trying stretch passes again. Stretch passes and flips out of the zone constantly. In the first period, they had no problem carrying the puck up the ice. All of a sudden, they're resorting to stretch passes and nothing's working. I mean, that's coaching. That's, that's not on the players to me. I understand they played last night, but I don't accept that as an excuse because you're professional athletes and it's not like you had the Laval rocket schedule where you had to play at 7 p.m and then again at 1 a.m or 1 p.m sorry the next day in the afternoon you had a night game and then another night game so the tired excuse i don't accept it especially considering that you had multiple people come in that hadn't played the night before you had some fresh legs in the lineup and you looked really good in the first period why did you completely change the game plan coming out in the second because you don't know how to coach that's why I mean, this, this guy has a three-year contract extension that he, he didn't really earn. He just got it on the back of a magical playoff run. They should not have been extending him for three years based on that playoff run. It was lightning in a bottle. It was Carey Price making ridiculous saves. It was Philippe Dano being able to shut down every star player on the other team uh, up until they ran into the lightning. I mean, they should not have been extending him for three years. So now we move up. Who do we move up to? Well, I've talked about him before, Marc Bergevin. 
We know he's not going to fire the coach. He's the one who handed him the three-year extension in the first place, and he's already hired and fired multiple coaches since he became the general manager like 10 years ago. So he can't fire him now. That'd be admitting that he fucked up mere months ago, right? And there's no way that you could, like, I, I, again, I don't know. There's no way you could legitimately sit down in front of the owner of the team and be like, hey, so what I want to do is I want to fire this guy I just hired for three years. Uh, I know you're going to have to give him out a bunch of money, but we're going to get rid of him and we're going to bring in somebody else. Because if you go and you do that, then at that point, the owner, it doesn't matter what his breaking point is, he's going to probably get rid of you because he's going to be like, well, you're costing me millions of dollars at this point. So then that brings me to you, Jeff Molson. What is your breaking point? When do you say enough is enough? Again, do we need to get mock Olay chanted in every single building in the NHL before you decide that you're going to fucking do something? Do we need to finish last place? And, and how many times in a row do we need to finish last place? Is it just this year? Is it multiple years? At what point will you admit that last year's run, while magical and while I enjoyed it so very much, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it was not directly attributable to Marc Bergevin or to Dominique Ducharme? Neither of them. I think you can give Bergevin some of the credit. I mean, he, he brought in a lot of those players, but he was not responsible for Carey Price. He didn't bring him in. All he did was make him the highest paid goaltender on the planet which wasn't a very difficult thing to do. All you had to do was offer him the money and be willing to do it. Of course he's going to sign it. I can't give him a shred of credit for just offering him that contract. I can't give Bergevin a shred of credit for anything Carey Price has done. All you did was you know, give him the money that he you know, rightfully deserved. Maybe a little bit more than he deserved. I don't know. I don't even want to get into that. But the, the reality is he was your best player in the playoffs. He was the best player on that run. He was the best player in your last run when you made it to the, the conference finals, too. And then what happened? When he got hurt, what happened? Oh, the team that you built wasn't good enough to win without him. Quelle surprise, hostie. How is it possible that we're in the exact same position right now where this team's just not good enough to win? I mean, maybe if Carey Price comes back, he can steal some games for them. But is that even wise? Do, do, do we even want to see Carey Price come back and get ran into the ground trying to drag this team to respectability after he's coming off of mental health and substance use struggles? If that's the plan, then, then I say just let that man you know rehab and spend time with his family. There's no point in putting him through that putting the fans through that, watching him just try to miraculously drag this team to respectability. No. I mean, you for too long, that has been Marc Bergevin's crutch, and you've let him have it, Jeff. You've allowed him to have that crutch. You've allowed him to have a crutch where he relies way too heavily on goaltending and can't build a team that can score enough to win without that goaltending. And even when they have that goaltending, let's take a look just at the last five years right last year if they were in the regular atlantic division like they are right now they wouldn't have made the playoffs they wouldn't have made it year before that they only made the playoffs because coronavirus shut the league down and they did a play-in year before that they missed the playoffs and the year before that they missed the playoffs so realistically you've not made the playoffs in the last four years 
You did it twice based on a reprieve that was granted to you by the pandemic. And yes, last year, they deserved every bit of that run because they did it, right? They, they got some scoring. They figured it out. But you can't just give carte blanche to Bergevin and the entire coaching staff just because they made the Stanley Cup Finals. Because, like, look, it's clearly... I'm, I'm avoiding the word fluke as hard as I possibly can. I do believe that they deserved that run. They deserved to be where they were. They earned it. They earned it. But you can't sit there and pretend like Bergevin and Ducharme had so much to do with it that it wouldn't have happened if you didn't put other people in those same positions. Let's be honest. They caught lightning in a bottle. They deserved every second of what they got. But we can't possibly sit here and tolerate you know <laughs> below mediocrity just because that happened right so that's my question to jeff molson what's your rock bottom what do you need to see you're probably losing fans already as we speak you're probably losing fans you're never gonna lose me i got the logo tattooed on my chest i'm not going anywhere but you're, you're, you're going to start losing money at some point, right? And if, if that's what it's going to take, it's going to take forever. It's going to take a long time for this team to be so bad that nobody goes to pay and, and see games anymore, right? You're still going to get enough fans in there that he's going to be profitable. You're still going to sell enough merch that he's going to be profitable. So if that's his bottom line is he has to actually lose money, then we're fucked. We're never going to see any changes. It's going to take decades. So I really want to know, what's your, what's your rock bottom in terms of product? Because if that game against the Bruins isn't it, if you take just any handful of the shit games they've played so far this season and that's not enough for you, then you know what? You should sell the team. You should sell it. Maybe that way you can cash in before your buddy Bergevin runs this team into a point where the value can't possibly be recovered. I don't know. Anyways, I'm assuming you're not going to sell the team. So what I really would like to see, uh, again, I don't think Jeff Molson listens to this podcast. So I don't know why I'm talking like he's actually listening to me. But what I'd really like to see is I'd like to at least see him come out and make a statement. You know, come out and say, you know, you're not okay with any of this. Come out and fire somebody. That's what I'd really like is for you to fire somebody. But if you're not going to do that, at least, you know, come out and speak. Tell us what's going through your head. A lot of us are sitting here and just exasperated. Like, I'm, I'm tired of watching this team right now. I'm tired. And frankly, I'm depressed and ashamed. That's going to be it for uh, today's episode. Um, last thing I got to say is, I guess, my silver lining, right? I said I was going to give a silver lining every episode, no matter how bad things get. So I'm going to try to leave you on a little bit of a positive, all right? Now, my positive is going to be uh, Michael Pizzetta getting his first NHL goal. He looked so incredibly happy. He's had a great season uh, b before coming to the Habs with the Laval Rocket. Uh, been playing really well, been scoring a lot of points down there. Um, now comes up. I don't know if he can become uh, an NHL regular or not. Uh, he was ranked very low in our top 25 under 25 during the offseason. So there's there's never been you know, a ton of confidence in him. But you know what? Who doesn't love an underdog story? 
and he's a classic underdog when it comes to becoming an NHL player and really he's he's looked pretty good there's been some moments like there's been some bad penalties there's been some you know brain farts so to speak but overall he's actually been pretty good and uh, you know I'm super happy for him I'm glad he's getting this opportunity and I'm glad he's making the most of it so that's your silver lining uh, I'm gonna cut it off here we are running uh, over 16 minutes today so vraiment uh, une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. As always, I appreciate everybody for listening, especially to such a long episode on a Sunday night. And as always, no matter how bad it gets, à la prochaine.